On this week's Patriot Nation podcast, it is the off-season, unfortunately, but we're starting our off-season stuff. Uh, we're going to be doing a few different things. We're starting to look at rookies, look at guys that are going to be coming into the league. We're going to be breaking them down position by position. We're starting with D-tackle today. So we're going to have four defensive tackles that we're breaking down, and we're going to rank the Super Bowl. So that should be an interesting debate. Uh me coming a little bit for the older guard and spags with the younger crowd. So should be interesting. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have some fun with it. Man, it's the off season, which sucks, but that's the way it goes. Anyways, cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. Missed last week, obviously, just kind of getting back into the swing of things with uh, off season and everything like that. But uh, another another year done, huh? It's crazy, man. I mean, it does really fly by, you know. And what an unbelievable season it is again. And to be honest, I mean, we'll get into it obviously with this whole, you know, draft stuff we got coming on and some free agency. But I, you know, I really think if you know if they can draft well, which they should, and get some guys healthy and. uh you know, fill some holes that they might just be even better next year. If you can believe that. So it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And you look at how many, they, how many guys they lost last year, you know, they lost their, they lost their starting running back and a starting cornerback and a starting left tackle. And, and you just, you know, they start one of their important wide receivers. You know, there's no way this team's going to be as good and they were better. And it's just like, they just they continue to do it every year, and they find different guys, and they bring guys in, and it's uh it's it's really unbelievable. And you know, I mean, you know, you look at a guy like J.C. Jackson who was who played well throughout a lot of the year, but like this kid was an undrafted rookie free agent, and he's playing in the Super Bowl just like Malcolm Butler was in 2014. And it's just like it did. They just keep cycling them in, and it's just it's unreal. It's it's unbelievable. It'll be interesting to see too who that next undrafted free agent is that makes the team next year, you know, cause I think it's what four, it's like 14 straight years or something like that. And undrafted yeah, free agent has made it out of camp. So it's a it'll be interesting to see who it is. So, I mean, it's, it's almost a given now that they're going to keep at least one. So it's just a matter right. of hope. Exactly. And obviously we, exactly. we won't know that until probably training camp, probably a couple weeks in who's maybe even a candidate for it. So, I mean, like I said, I, I, this time of year is boring, but at the same time, I love it because, you know, drama is, is, is always interesting, but especially when it's not the Patriots, which it rarely never is. Obviously, last offseason was a little bit different. But, like, the stuff with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, it's so, it, it's so entertaining when it's not your team, you know? It's like, and especially because it's the Steelers, too. It's like, I love seeing them implode like this. It's awesome. It is, it is absolutely amazing. And, and, you know, it's one of those things, and I've been talking about this, 
really for, you know, going on a year now. And uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, uh, even back in my weekend worry days, you know, anyone that would listen back then can, you know, can attest to this. But I was saying, you know, Gruden, people laughed at Gruden and, and look, rightfully so. I mean, Gruden's kind of an idiot, right? But like, I think he's a boob, man. He's one of the biggest boobs in the league. And I, I agree with you. But here's the deal, right? He traded Khalil Mack. And, and say what you want about Khalil Mack, but he traded Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. kind of had to, and, though. And that's the thing. He got three, not one, not two, but three first-round picks for Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. The Steelers are going to lose Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and more than likely are going to get zero first-round picks. Zero first-round picks. Because I'm telling you right now, I understand how good Antonio Brown is. I get it, okay? But number one, the guy's a diva to the max. Okay. Oh, He's, the worst. The worst. You know, locker room. It's just, it's a mess. It's a mess with him. Okay. Number two, the Steelers have no leverage. It's not like the Steelers are going to keep him. He's leaving. They're done. They're parting ways. So if you look at Levia, if you look at Antonio Brown, if I'm an opposing team, I'm saying, what are you nuts, dude? Let's just wait them out. We just wait the Steelers out because what's going to happen? They're going to get to training camp. And they're going to be like, what? Uh, we still haven't traded him. They're going to be like, well, yeah, I'll, draft, I'll offer you a second-round pick for him. Sure, why not? You know? I mean, the only thing that's going to be happening is that other teams, you know, teams may be looking at other teams, and sure, there's probably someone dumb enough to go after him and give up a first-round pick for him. Fine. But more than likely, I would say, like, a second and a third or a second and a fourth. Like, I don't think they're going to get more than a second-round pick. I was thinking the same thing too today. I, I was thinking like, if anything, maybe a future first, you right. know, um, but definitely not this year. You know, I mean, I could see him going to, you know, I, I could see him going anywhere, but real, I, I think maybe the Colts are an option. You know, I think San Francisco is up there. You know, they're trying to, you know, steer things in the right direction, obviously, hopefully with the first full year of Jimmy G. And those teams have pretty good picks. I mean, the Colts are drafting what, early 20s? And yeah. San Francisco is a top five pick. So, right. That's, you, it. That's you know, definitely not going to happen. I don't see him going to a team like New England or, you know, they're not going to trade him to a contender where it's going to come back and hurt them. So, right. You know, if anything, they'll trade him outside of, outside of the, uh, the conference. I mean, I just think, and it's funny because you look at Brandon Cooks, Brandon Cooks two years in a row was traded for a first round pick. And, you know, you'd say, well, you know, is Brandon Cooks, does that mean Brandon Cooks is better than Antonio Brown? No, it doesn't. But what it does mean is that, the Patriots are an opportunity to get Cooks. He's a hardworking guy, averages a thousand yards a year, like whatever, like great player. So they give him a first round pick and they get him. Then the Rams look at the opportunity and say, well, the Patriots probably aren't going to resign him, but do probably want to hold on to him. And the Patriots can sit there and say, hey, look, we don't want to give him to you. I'm sure the Rams didn't start off with a first round pick, but they said, you know, we don't want to trade him to you. So they said, okay, well, fine, we'll give you it. We'll, and they end up trade, trading the Patriots a first-round pick. You don't have that when you have Brown here, okay? It It is what it is. Like, you know he's leaving. The Steelers have already said he's leaving. He's already said he's leaving. So so you don't have any leverage here. And for me, I just think I think it's so funny. It's just hysterical. And that's why, you know, as bad as, as, bad as Gruden may have handled the Raiders situation, I'd still rather be in the situation of the Raiders – than I am of the Steelers because again, you got three first round picks for those guys. So you have the the Raiders have three first round picks this year because yeah, of those two deals. 
and they have two first round picks next year already. So it's like, you know, you start looking at it and you're like, wow, okay, like now they're going to, they can try to build their team. Whereas the Steelers are losing maybe two of the best offensive players in the entire game. And they're not getting any first round picks back for them. And like you said, they may not get a pick in this year's draft back for them, which is insane. Yeah. I know. It is. It really is. But, you know, hey, so enough, enough with great. these loser Steelers that we don't even have to care about because <laughs> we own them. Let's get into the uh, to the fun part of this. Ranking yeah, the Super Bowl. I don't know how you want to do it, but I figure maybe we just go one for one here. Rank ours one to six, which ones we felt were the most popular, you know, the ones that maybe stood out the most, the ones that saved the franchise, whatever we want to. Kind of wherever we felt they fit in, we, we put them there. So I'll let you well, go first, Pat, start it off. I'm going to start actually at the end because I feel like starting at the end is better. Okay. Uh, right. That's where, that's where I want to start. So so I'm going to start with 39. 39 is my last ranked Super Bowl. And it's interesting that 39 is last because it was back-to-back Super Bowl. It was, la- it was the, it's the last time a team has won back-to-back Super Bowls in NFL history. That 2014 team was an uh, – I'm sorry, that 2014 – was an absolute wagon. And, you know, when they finished that that game off, okay, between 03 and 04, they went a combined 34 and 4, those two teams. And they were just unstoppable. And, you know, the whole dynasty thing and three out of four and all, and, and you know, back to back. But, like, even still, it's, it's the most boring Super Bowl they played in. It was kind of a meh game. You know, McNabb's puking all over himself, but it really wasn't, it just wasn't that exciting. And so for me, 39 is last, even though the whole dynasty thing is there, I just, the game was kind of like boring. Yeah, no, I hear you. And they're they're actually second to last on my list. So I'll kind of just do, you know, six and five all in one. I have 38 as my last one. I know that was kind of a stamp, like, oh, okay, these guys aren't the one-hit wonders. This is their second one in three years. But if you look back on it, it was a terrible game the first half. Obviously, the second half was awesome. Ton of lead changes. Brady went down, did his thing, marched, marched him down the field, led to Vinatieri's game-winning kick. It was the same movie we saw. But let's not forget, they beat Jake alone. I mean, <laughs> come on. You know, I mean, he didn't play bad in that game. He actually had relatively pretty decent numbers, especially in that second half. But, like, come on. I mean, they played the Carolina Panthers, too. Like, we were making fun of those fake franchises that these guys keep playing in Super Bowls, like, you know, Atlanta and friggin' and, and the Rams. Like, all these – like, who's ever met a Carolina Panthers fan, too? You know, so that was kind of, for me, 39, I had five. I only had it, you know, ahead of 38 because it was their third one in four years. It solidified themselves as the NFL dynasty, like you said, the last team to go back-to-back. So I figured that kind of had more meaning than the 30 uh, to have that last because you win two in a row rather than two and three years. It's a little bit better in my book. So that's where right. I went from there. I'll let you start. I'll let you go. Oh, there. no. Listen, I certainly understand that. And I think I think the consensus yeah, for pretty much everyone is that those two are five and six. And maybe you switch the order from here and there. I just thought that that Carolina game was a, was a fantastic game. It was just, you know, and yeah, it started off slow, you know, zero, zero at the end of the first quarter. But then it's like, a ton of points at the end of the second quarter. And then obviously the second half, they're going back and forth. And, and so it was, it was an exciting game an entertaining game. So that's why I was fifth on my list, but again, fifth or sixth. I mean, I think, you know, which it's just, again, it's just ironic that it's like you get these two Super Bowls. And again, that team was so dominant, man. They lost four games in two years, but 
It's like, yeah, okay, like important, but not as important as the other four. So it's just crazy. But uh, and then a consensus for us um, is number four, which is which is this past year Super Bowl fifty three. And I think you know fifty three is important, but the top three are the top three, and and you, and you really can't crack those top three because because of what they mean. Um, and this year's was was amazing and surprising and I mean, no one really good, started coming this is a good problem to have if you look at it we're ranking the super bowls which one i mean the most we're the only <laughs> franchise that can kind of do that so i mean we appreciate all of them you guys know that but we we for the sake of the episode we got to rank rank them one to six well and i think but i think that that's it, it's an interesting discussion because oh absolutely uh, of the way that you the way that each one of them makes you feel and the way that they're remembered and and how you remember them and so i think that that's that's kind of an interesting one. Um, but I really think, you know, this year was unbelievable, but again, uh, you know, the, the top three and anyone that's listening knows what the top three are, it, you know, you just, how are you going to, how are you going to beat 36, 451? You just, you can't, you just, you can't. So 53 is more important or I guess more special to everyone pretty much than 38 and 39, but it just can't crack the top three. So, so it sits at four. Yeah, for me, I, like I said, I had it, you know, this year's Super Bowl at number number four as well, um, just because, you know, it was it was a great game, even though it was thirteen to three. But that kind of ended all the discussions that you can really hear. I mean, still people are coming up with shit about Brady. He didn't play well, and but I mean, that was the sixth ring that was like, all right, dude, like, come on, can we stop winning Super Bowls now? Like that was the one that was just kind of the fu to everyone, especially with everything happened this year too. I mean, that that's what just made it ultimately the sweetest. You know, if, if they went through like a Patriot-esque season this year where they dominated, they went 14-2, and 13-3, I honestly right. think the Super Bowl might have been towards the end, but it was kind of just everything that built up. I mean, we both didn't see him making it this far. It was a shock to me. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of why I was there. But, I mean, they don't rank, obviously, ahead of the, the next three that we have, where we have a little bit of uh, a difference in ours. Oh, yeah. So why don't you get into – let's get into your third. Okay, so for my third, I have I have Super Bowl 51 as my third just because of the comeback. I mean, that was insane, and it kind of started. You know, the Patriots won, what, three and four years, and then they just did three and five years um, again. So if you're looking at that, it's kind of messing everything up. They just got to a Super Bowl, um, and, you know, everyone says that Brady got bailed out by Malcolm Butler. And then this one, they were on the verge of getting smoked. By a, a, a not an, I mean, Atlanta was good that year. Don't get me wrong. They had some weapons. But, like, if you look at it, you're like, damn. You, you look back, you're like, you lost a Super Bowl to the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, that that, that was just it for me. And then, obviously, the <laughs> comeback was insane. I mean, people might have this one on number one on their list, which I, I wouldn't even disagree with because that was the most emotional roller coaster I'd ever been on in, 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 in a four-hour span in my entire life. Like that game was insane. You can't, you'll, we'll never see that again. Put it that way. That was speechless and something, you know, I'll be telling my kids about my grandkids and you'll be doing the same thing. So. hundred percent. And, and I'll tell you what, I mean, I, uh, for me, I actually, when I texted, when we were talking back and forth, I had it at number three and I was talking to my dad a little bit. We're kind of going back and forth, talking about different things. I moved it up to two um, for me. So it is second on my list. And, and, And really the reason why, it's just is very simple. Twenty eight to three. I mean, twenty eight to three. Like you just nothing else needs to be said. You say twenty eight to three, and you know 
It's the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. It's not even close. You know, two years two years earlier, the Patriots completed the second the, the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history, and then they almost doubled that when you talk about the fourth quarter. So it's it's just unbelievable, and not just not just the comeback, but like when you look at all time, when you look at every single postseason game in NFL history, and a team had never lost up nineteen points in the fourth quarter. Never in the history in the history of the NFL in the playoffs, no team had ever lost in the you know up nineteen in the fourth quarter, and Patriots do that, and it's just it's unbelievable. And so for me, I actually moved it up to two because I just thought like it's just iconic, like it's just it is it's so iconic. And so to me, uh, that's where I put fifty one was at was at number two. So and number three for me, and I know we we argue about this one. Um, is 49. And I think that game, there's a lot. I went back and forth about 49 and 51. I did. And I, I ended up moving up 51 at number two. But the thing about 49 is that they hadn't won a Super Bowl in 10 years. It had been 10 years since they won a Super Bowl. And, and the questions were swirling, right? Will they ever win a Super Bowl again, right? The Patriots draft Jimmy G that offseason. And Belichick makes the comment, well, we all know the coaches, the, the quarterback's age and, and contract situation. Now, a lot of people don't remember that. That's just that kind of gets shoved under underneath because we can't imagine saying that about Brady now. But Brady didn't play great in 2013. He was good in 2012, but not unbelievable. And so you like we were like, well, is he kind of on the decline? Like, are we not, you know, is he not the greatest quarterback of all time anymore? And then he comes out in 2014 and plays the way that he played. You know, and to have, you know, the guys on defense play the way they play and then to come back against, you know, arguably the greatest, you know, defense ever, you know, back-to-back Super Bowl appearances for them. They had dominated the greatest offense in the history of the NFL the year before. And now you're down 10 points in the fourth quarter and you come back and win that game. And then obviously the end. And I think the end for me skews my memory of it because it was so it was such euphoria and it, and look it's the greatest play in the history of the, of the NFL it's the greatest play in the history of the NFL because no one has ever gone from losing a Super Bowl to winning a Super Bowl in one play it, it's never happened before if the game was over Seattle was 100% going to win the game and all of a sudden the Patriots won the game on one play and it just it's never happened before and so to me it's the greatest play in NFL history, but it's still I can't I, I can't put it ahead the I can't put it ahead the twenty to three. So so to me it's number three, but I can certainly understand anyone that puts it at two or even at one. Although I disagree with that, but at least we can make the argument about that. Yeah, I mean for me my you know my final two, I have Super Bowl thirty six as number two. I mean a lot of people probably have this as their one. Um, but it, I know it capped everything off and it kicked everything off and that was the start of the dynasty. But for me, the reason why I have Super Bowl 49 and number one is you touched upon it. They drafted Jimmy G. Belichick made that comment to kind of, it kind of lit a fire under Brady's ass a little bit. And for me, it was just like, if they lose that Super Bowl, they haven't won a Super Bowl in over a decade. They've been, they would have had lost three straight Super Bowls. And, you know, I think if they lose that Super Bowl, I, I, I firmly believe that I don't know if Tom Brady's still here. I really don't. I, I think with the love that Belichick expressed for Garoppolo, 
Brady just goes to a Super Bowl and loses for his third one, and they haven't won in ten over 10 years, that's a big red flag for that organization. And what was Brady at that age? Was he 39, 38? He was old. You know, yeah. and I, I don't think this new TB12 thing was, you know, as, as popular as it is now. But for me, you know, moral of the story, why that's number one for me is it meant the most because it was that we – we hadn't experienced that in so long. And it was like, oh, finally. We've been here two times. We had our heart ripped out of us by the Giants. And almost happened again. Brady leads us down. Jermaine Curse, another stupid catch on the same freaking uh, side of the field as Tyree. And Malcolm Butler makes the greatest play in Super Bowl and in football history. So that that's why it was number one for me. Because I feel like it saved that whole, the outlook on the dynasty. Because that was their first title in 10 years. And then obviously they gone on to win three more. So they kind of just started a new dynasty with winning that one. So that's why it's important to me and why I have it number one. Oh, I, I certainly understand that. And like I said, I mean, I think it makes sense. Also, the play that Malcolm Butler made on the cursed catch, I don't think gets enough recognition, you know, for him to get up and push curse out of bounds. Just have the presence of mind to get up and push him out of bounds was huge because otherwise curse walks into the end zone and now all of a sudden they're winning and yeah, they got a minute left, but like it, they they only have a minute left to go in the game. So, you know, the presence of mind of him to get up and push him out of bounds, I think, was huge. And so that's something that doesn't get talked about enough. Here's a question I have for you: those bags. What year were you born? I was born in 1997. So I've seen. Okay. I'm bragging here, but I've seen 12 championships in 21 years. You have. Nice. This is true. But you say you've seen them, which you have. But you were born in I 1997. Have. You were four when Super Bowl 36 happened. And so here's the thing, right? And this is why 36 is number one for me. Because it, you say, you know, Brady may not have been around after 49. If 36 doesn't happen, you know, now I I believe that Bledsoe was done in 2001, no matter what. 2001 was his last year in in New England, no matter what. Brady was going to take over after that anyways. That's my opinion. Even if they had gone four and doesn't matter. He, they, he, Brady was going to be taking over. My dad actually thinks that he was taking over week three. I think that's a little crazy, but that's what he thinks. But either way, 36 doesn't happen. The whole dynasty may not happen. That one Very right true. there Very was true. the biggest Very thing true. ever. And, and, you know, and, and look, I think too, you're not old enough to remember this. I got made fun of in middle school for wearing Patriot stuff to school because people are like Patriots. Patriots suck. What are you doing wearing Patriots stuff? They're terrible. And so, and that's middle school. And so, like, no, I mean, I was born in 84. So, like, it's not like I remember all the terrible times. But, like, my first year as a fan was 1992. They went 2-14. So, it's like, so, yes, I do remember some of those, some of the bad times. And after 93, it was all, it's been all pretty much good times. But, you know, I, I just think there were, the thing about 36 is that it's, it was just, it was something that we had never seen before. It was something we had never experienced before. The team, it just, it, it was, it was amazing. It was unbelievable. There was no was, chance they it, could possibly it wasn't win. A, it wasn't a football town and now it is. Put it that way. Right. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's, and it's just, you know, it, it's crazy to think of how far the Patriots have come and then all started. And, and, you know, even going back to the old one season for me, you know, with like three weeks left to go in the game in the season, there was like nine, like there were literally like 20 things that had to happen in order for the Patriots to get the bye. And all of them happened, including 
the Jets going to Oakland and winning in week 17 in Oakland to knock Oakland out of the number two spot and put the Patriots into the number two spot. They knock Oakland out of the number two spot. Then they go, then they fly home. They fly back to Oakland for wildcard weekend. They get stomped by the Raiders and the Raiders come to the Patriots in, in, in the divisional round. Otherwise the Patriots are playing at home on wildcard weekend and then flying to Oakland for their, for, for their second round matchup in the divisional game. So obviously everything changes there. And then, you know, like just some of the most ridiculous, I mean, they had to win out. They won their last, I don't even remember, seven games or something. It was just, it was foolish. But I just remember there was one play. They had to beat, uh, they were, had to, one of the games was in Buffalo. And David Patton caught a, caught, caught a pass near the sideline and, you know, ran towards the sideline and got knocked out cold, like out cold and fumbled the football. But half of his body or like his head landed out of bounds and the ball was touching his leg when his head hit out of bounds and because his head was out of bounds and the ball was touching his leg, the ball was out of bounds and it was Patriots football still and not, and it was just like how in the world there was, it it was insane. And so there was all these different things that happened that you were like, there's no way that they could possibly get there. And they got there anyways. And then for them to win it and for the Gino call. And it just, uh, I mean, you know, it's just, it's amazing, you know, and and to hear Gil and Gino kind of celebrating in the booth and, you know, Gino had been there for so many, and obviously Gil had been there for years too, but Gino had been there basically since 1960 and, you know, had never seen them win anything. And and they finally, and it was just, it was, it was amazing. And it started everything. But again, you were four, like, you know, you can't appreciate that because you weren't old enough. So 49 was really that first one that you were able to kind of feel that same way. You know what I mean? And I think that that's something that you were what, 15, 16? yeah, I grew up, I mean, I remember, um, I say it all the time, I remember, you know, sitting in my living room, my parents, my mother, actually, my dad was out jumping up and down at Ty Law's pick six. So, I, you know, I kind of knew, and then I watched the next one, and I watched the next one. Obviously, you get older and older. But right. then, you know, when they lost the Giants those two times, even the first time, I was 10. I was a diehard. Like, I, I followed them every year that year, my first year playing fantasy football, you know, and then I saw them lose twice. So then um, I was a junior in high school and they beat Seattle. So that was like, oh, you know, there's the years of heartbreak that I dealt with, with right. the Giants when I was really understanding what's going on. So it, I understand that that's definitely why we have some difference between one and two. But, hey, I mean, that, that that's what – it's a good problem to have, like I said. But well, it is, it, into, yeah, it's a, I was. Well, I'm well, sorry. I was just going to say it's a great problem to have. And the other thing, too, is that I think that that's something that we need to understand. Like – that we need to look at and understand and say, okay, we can understand that. Yeah. Even though 36 may be more important to someone like me, 49 is more important to someone like you. And that's okay because we're experiencing it in different, in, you know, in different spots. And so we can appreciate the history of things, but we also look back and say, Hey, you know, those are important too. And maybe more important. And just like, you know, I think it's just like the, you know, with the Celtics, it's, you know, in the eighties, obviously some of those are super important championships. Well, I wasn't alive in the eighties. I mean, I was, but I was two when they won in 86, and I would I think I was just born when they won in 84. So I don't know, but, like, 08 was great. You know, so it's like one of those things where you just, you know, you, you just – you can't I, – I wouldn't say necessarily judge, but we all have our personal preferences, and, I mean, oh, shoot, man. 36 is just – for me, again, is on top, but for you, 49, because the way you experienced it. And so uh, there's no wrong answers here, but uh, but it's a fun exercise anyways. 
Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more with you. But, I mean, segwaying into our next part, uh, Pat, I'll, I'll kind of break it down on what we're going to be introducing over the next couple weeks leading up to the draft. You can fill in for any parts I miss. But if you follow both of us on Twitter, I've released uh, some multiple threads, I think five or six now, on some potential draft picks. The Patriots could be linked to mostly in the first round, but have a couple here and there, mostly D tackles that they might be looking towards towards maybe the later rounds of the draft where they kind of find those hidden gems that we all love and talk about like we are with Trey Flowers probably next episode. But, um, yeah, we're going to be introducing each week on the show uh, two prospects that we will be introducing, um, breaking them down, what their strengths are, why the Patriots may be linked to them. And for the first one today, we're going to be starting with defensive tackles, which could be a big need for New England uh, with Danny Shelton headed to free agency, most likely Trey Flowers likely to tre- test the market. And of course, I am missing one here that I'm blanking on. You can fill that in for me. Shelton. Oh, and uh, Malcolm Brown. And Malcolm, Malcolm Brown. Brown. That's the third one. Yeah. That's right. Those are the three that are likely to test free agency. So, I mean, and all three of those are big in the run game. So you're looking at some, you you know, they might be looking at some monsters up front that can kind of, you know, be a young anchor to that run defense and step in and play a big role like Trey Flowers did in that Super Bowl win uh, versus Atlanta. So, Pat, I'll let you start it off, fill in anything you want. You you break it down from here, brother. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to start off um, with a guy. Like you said, I did a thread on this guy. Um, my second guy, I actually have a thread coming out uh, either tomorrow or uh, at some point in this weekend, at least, the thread will come out. But uh, Isaiah Bugs is where I'm going to start. He went to Alabama, 6'3", about 290. Um, community college transfer, so he only had two years at Bama. Uh, his second year was, stats-wise at least, was significantly better. 13.5 tackles for a loss, 9.5 sacks. He's a saving guy. And so, you know, I think that's some value, obviously, for the Patriots. He also does things that the Patriots value at D-tackle or D-end. And I think what that is is that he controls his gap. He can play a two-gap system. He doesn't have crazy athleticism. He did play a lot on the outside in Bama. You know, played, played a lot of D-end. He's not going to play D-end in the pros. This is not going to happen. His arms are too short. Um, he's got, like, just about 31-inch arms, a little bit less than 31-inch arms. Melvin Ingram's considered to have really short arms, and his arms are 31 and a half. So, you know, you look at Bugs just doesn't have long enough arms, and he's not super explosive. So he's definitely playing inside. He's not playing outside or anything like that, but that's okay. They don't necessarily need a ton of off from him. He had a pretty solid rip that he used a few times. He bull rushed guys a decent amount. And again, building his gap and being smart with it. And even if he's getting double teamed, just kind of staying on the double team and then shedding the block and making the tackle if the if the running back comes near him or the quarterback, depending on what, what's going on comes near him. And so um, he's a guy that he's not going to go high. You know, he's probably going to be a maybe a third round pick, I'm thinking. Um, but again, I think that he could be a guy that the Patriots could use. Uh, I don't, I mean, he's only 292. So I'm only, I mean, he's about 300 pounds. So he's not a huge guy in the middle, but I think he's stout enough to, um, you know, to play, to play that position I'll tell you what, he had a play um, where he just destroyed um, Miller, I think is the kid's name from Ole Miss. Uh, he's a left tackle, 
and they projected him to go in the first round. And he just put the guy on roller skates and just threw him in the backfield. Uh, drove him back about about five yards into the backfield and just deposited him on the ground. And so he's definitely got some uh, got some strength and power to him. But again, the athleticism isn't there for D end. I see him as a D tackle, but I think he could be a good target for them. You know, say third round or so. I think uh, you know even late second round. You know, late second round, third round. I think uh, he could be a decent target for them. Yeah, I agree. And I, like you said, Saban and Belichick, anything linked there, it's a possibility, whether it's first round, second round, or, or as an undrafted free agent. Those two are obviously the best at what they do in their respective sports. So if anyone's coming from the Patriots from Alabama, I got high praise for them and I trust it. Uh, for my yes. first guy, um, I linked this thread a week ago from today, but my first guy that I'll be talking about is defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson, national champion. Uh, 6'4", 351 pounds, big boy. He's got a little more room to maybe cut down a little bit, add a little more muscle. Um, a lot of draft experts actually have him linked to the Patriots at 32. If you can remember, he missed the college football playoffs due to that whole controversial, you know, uh, PED suspension where it was kind of sketchy. They didn't really link what the substance was and those players didn't really have any clue where it came from. I mean, I know all of them say that, but, um, you know, when you have a little bit of time between games, that four or five week span where you're not playing, it's a little sketchy that you might be hopping on a quick cycle there, but won't hold yeah. it against them. You know, uh, he was supposed to be, you know, a mid first round pick. I think that's going to have him slip a little bit, which is why people have him linked to the Patriots, maybe at 32. I think that'd be a steal if they were to get him there, but Hey, we've seen crazy things happen. Uh, Lawrence, one of the best interior linemen in college football for three years, uh, was ACC Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year's freshman year. Um, athletic, quick, you know, big body. He's really hard to move at the line of scrimmage, and he excels in both the pass and run game. Uh, he had 10 sacks and 131 tackles in 38 career college games. Uh, he's unbelievable one-on-one. -on -one. Obviously, he's got the size and strength to really outmuscle any um, – offensive lineman that he's going up against uh great on bull rush you know all muscles guys i mean i think one of the problems that he has is uh you know he he's a little big for his body lacks flexibility sometimes slow off the line like i said i think he has a little bit of more time to grow into his body only 21 years old so a young kid uh, but you know his pocket pushing and quickness it's really elite as a nose and like I said earlier, with Flowers, Brown, and Shelton possibly testing free agency, New England's, you know, they're probably going to have to add some much-needed depth, you know, right in the middle of that defense. Uh, you saw Lawrence Guy be an anchor, kind of that low-key guy that's been so great for them two years, especially in the run game. Um, and actually, the Patriots saw some similar traits with Malcolm Butler, obviously a little bit smaller from Texas, and they actually selected him in the same exact spot in 2015 at number 32 overall. So maybe a little uh, – Maybe a little um, yeah, you never know. there, but you never know. So that, that's my first guy, and I'll let you uh, take off from uh, for your number two. I like it. I like Lawrence a lot. I think that would be a great pick for them at 32. But, I mean, we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. Chances are if he's getting mocked there, he's not getting taken there. But you, you never know. Yeah, so, I mean, especially with the Patriots in round one. Yeah, I mean, like I said, of course. I released a thread on, on Daniel Jones today, which a lot of people have him going number 32 to New England which, granted, I don't think he go, goes there. I think he's going to go to Washington at 15. 
Um, right. I don't think to see the Patriots drafting a quarterback in the first round, but hey, who would have thought they'd draft a running back there? So we've seen them be really unpredictable, especially early on in the draft in these right. last coming years. So, yeah. you know, you never know. No, that's a good point. We'll see. We shall see. So, yeah, my uh, my second guy is Jeffrey Simmons, and he's from Mississippi State, uh, 6'4", 301. He's a little bit different guy than the Patriots normally go after D lineman. I'd say his worst trait is two gapping. So uh, completely different than Bugs. His worst trait really is two gapping. But again, people said the same thing about Adam Butler when he came out. He's done just fine for the Patriots. Uh, again, he was an undrafted rookie. A little bit different, obviously. A little bit different situation. But Simmons uh, is a little bit of a freak uh, athlete wise. He uh, not. Not this past year, but in the 2017 season against Louisiana Tech, I believe it was, he had a ridiculous block punt, which he then recovered for a touchdown. And then he also picked up a fumble and returned it like 90 yards for a touchdown in the same game. Uh, so he he had a hell of a game that game. And, you know, he just – he has a little bit more of that explosion. And, look, the Patriots, I think – I think when you look at the Patriots, they have been lacking for a long time – somebody that can create pressure from the inside. And I think that that's one of the reasons why they like to Adam Butler so much because he can do that. If you can get another guy that can do something like that from the inside, I think that's huge. Because, again, the guys from the outside, if you push them, okay, now, now he's able to step up. But if you come in from the inside on a guy, now you're in his face, and that's a challenge for any quarterback. So I think that that's, that that's something that the Patriots have been looking for and they've been lacking. So I think – that that's an interesting spot with Simmons. Now, there's two real big issues with Simmons. Number one, he just tore his ACL. So that's obviously you know, a little bit of a red flag. And, and what it does is it brings people directly to Dominique Easley, who the Patriots obviously took a chance on outside of Florida, and you know he was a bust and never played well. The problem with Easley is that, number one, he took plays off all the time in, in, in uh, Florida. He just wasn't that good. Number two, he had knee issues on both sides, and his knees were bad in college. His knees were bad. They weren't. It wasn't just like an ACL tear. It's like he tore his ACL on both knees, and his knees weren't great. This kid just tore his ACL in one knee. Has never had knee problems before, so it's a little bit of a different situation with him. So I think while this season will probably be a wash, it may not really affect him moving forward. I know, you know, it's a t- torn ACL, but, like, things like that don't necessarily hamper guys. Like players anymore. Most... It's, it, it's such a con- – yeah, it's such a common injury, I was going to say. There's so many success right. stories now. I mean, look at Edelman. He came yeah. back and won the Super Bowl MVP. Right. So, and so yeah, that's, I mean, there's no, yeah. there's no red flags. I wouldn't be too, too concerned there, especially with, right. like I said, the surgery's not too bad anymore. Like, yeah, it sucks you'd miss him for a year, but, hey, if he's a top 15 pick and you can get him at 32 and kind of have him a red shirt year, I'll take it. I'll take it, especially right. with – you know, they, they should have some depth there. I know, like you said, we, we want to see them add a little bit. But, I mean, if he's there around one, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be uh, against taking him there. So, well, here's, here's the other red flag uh, that may actually prevent the Patriots from drafting him. Uh, back in 2016, I believe this was, uh, he got in a fight in a parking lot somewhere and was punching a girl on the ground. Not a great look. And so it's something that he's moved past. Uh, it's something that he dealt with at Mississippi State that, you know, he kind of uh, went head on with and, you know, and admitted to, obviously, when he was on camera, you know, admitted to it. The can- the video has been out for years. It's not like it's something new that is just coming out that we're just finding out about. This is something that he admitted to a while ago that the video has been there. 
But the question that I have, and, and, the, and I think it's a legitimate question, is will the Patriots even consider taking a guy like this? You know, and I know Christian Peter, totally different story with Christian Peter, but even still, Christian Peter was drafted by Bill Parcells back in the day, I think from Nebraska. And, you know, Myra looked at his past and said, well, I'm not signing this guy. There's no chance that this guy, you know, he'd beat his girlfriend. And they were like, we're not, we're not doing it. And so they they cut him. They didn't even sign him. And so he was like a fifth round pick. But um, but I think for me, I don't know uh, Simmons. I think maybe first round. I was thinking more second round. If he's able to, if he drops into that second round again, it's it's a it's a lost year. But you look at a guy like Jalen Smith. I was just uh, going to say the guy from Dallas. Yes, a hundred percent. He's really been that case study where yes, that first year was gone, but he was unbelievable this year, and so. You know, I think that's a, you know, Simmons at least can make a case that, hey, look, I know that the ACL is torn and I know my first year I'm going to have to sit out the whole year, but I can still contribute for the team, you know, in the coming years. So, so we'll see. I think second round pick is kind of where I'm thinking early second, Uh, I guess maybe the end of the first if they really like him and they really think he can help. But again, he's not going to help this year. So I think to me, early second round is where I'd look at him. But again, I think, you know, the, the whole, the whole punching a woman while she's on the ground thing, I think uh, could scare the Patriots away and rightfully so, but you know, something that he did when he was a, a dumb little kid. And so, you know, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens, but, uh, but yeah, I think Simmons uh decent prospect on the field, off the field, he's got some questions and some issues, but we'll see. And you're leading me right up to my next guy. Who's got some similar issues. Uh, I got Gerald Wallace, defensive tackle, Gerald Willis, the third out of Miami. 6'4", 300 pounds, um, anywhere from, you know, a third, uh, second to third rounder. People are saying if he has a strong combine, could slide into the early second, maybe even the late first. Uh, kind of the thing with Willis is he has only played, uh, I'm trying to find it here, he's only played just 14 college games in three years. Uh, went, to my, uh, went to the University of Florida, um, left the team, struggled a little bit with some off-the-field issues. Um, went to Miami for a sophomore year, sat out completely from football activities to focus on becoming a better person and kind of finding that, you know, that inner part of himself, making himself, you know, the best athlete and person he could possibly be. Came back, uh, was a model citizen, team captain this year, and was a key piece to the third-ranked defense in college football at Miami. Um, He had 59 tackles and four sacks this year. Very explosive off the ball, especially for his size. Very physical, plays with an edge. Actually, the younger brother of Landon Collins. Uh, breakout year in Miami led to his high draft stock. Obviously, like I said, 14 college games. You're like, how the hell can this guy possibly be maybe even uh, an early second-round pick? But, I mean, he's got all the intangibles. Big, physical, plays with an edge. Um, deep repertoire of moves he uses to get to the patch, passer. Leads him being in the opponent's backfield a lot. Um, when I see him, man, I, I see I see a little bit faster and a little bit more physical uh, Danny Shelton, where he's not, you know, he's 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 quick off the ball, but struggles, you know, in certain schemes. And like I said, there's that learning curve. I mean, he's only played 14 footballs and 14 football games in three years. You know, you right. want a guy to step in and potentially play 16 games for you. That's a lot, you know. And but I mean, he, he's got all the tools in the world. He's, he's I mean, if you watch his film, he's great. He's great off the ball, uh, very physical, struggles a little bit 
uh, when he gets double teamed um, because he's not as athletic and flexibility is a little bit of an issue. But, I mean, he's, you're looking at him potentially being added, you know, I think in that third, fourth round, Patriots might take a chance on him. Like I said, he's had a little bit off the field issues, not not really as public um, as, as we'd, we'd like to know. But, I mean, he left Florida for some team issues, not following team rules, sat out on his own that second year, um, not even playing. I mean, when you redshirt, when you come in, you can participate in practice, I'm pretty sure, and, and do all that. And he focused strictly on himself and, like I said, came back and had a monster junior year leading to him being a pretty high draft prospect. I think he's the 13th or 14th ranked defensive tackle in the draft, which, I mean, it's a pretty loaded draft for D tackles. If you look yeah, at them, there's some, there's some freaks at Oliver, you know, Dexter Lawrence, uh, you can even slide Christian Wilkins in there. So there's some big guys and to be in that company, it's, it's a pretty good accomplishment, especially for someone with as little as a, as a, you know, a resume as some, some of these other guys. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think, uh, I think all four of these guys could be guys that the Patriots could target at some point. Uh, you know, whether it's Lawrence or, you know, or Bugs or either either your two guys. I mean, honestly, uh, or Simmons, I'm sorry, or or Willis. It, it's, you know, for me, it's about really, I mean, obviously it comes down to value, doesn't it? Like that's the way it goes with the Patriots is that if they can find a spot where, you know, they feel like this guy has dropped, they'll go after him. You know, and I think that they'll look at that guy and say, okay, that's the guy we want. So, um so we'll see. I don't know if they'll go D-tackle at 32, but they have a bunch of second-round picks. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, jump on a D-tackle in the second or third round um, because it is it is an, a little bit of an area of need for them. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them jump after one of these guys. So so we'll see. Next week, we're going to be doing D-ends. Uh, and D-end, I think, is really going to be a spot where they've definitely built some um, – they've definitely built – a little bit of uh, depth there, but, and we won't know this obviously next week, but if they lose Trey flowers, they're going to have some big shoes to fill uh, on the DN side of it. So, uh, you know, becomes a lot more likely that they might go after someone a little bit higher. So, so we'll see what happens, but you know, it's our first kind of installment here. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to go through pretty much every position. There's some positions we won't tackle. You know what I mean? Spags like we're not going after, running back because they're not drafting oh, absolutely. running back. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? So places we feel that they need a need, uh, you know, they need to fill a void or might need yep. some depth there. So, I mean, exactly. stay tuned. Like we said, we'll be, we'll be releasing every episode at the end, which position we'll be covering the next week. But Hey, I think it's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool. Gets us implemented in the draft, gets us learning these uh, prospects, potential Patriot players. But Hey, I mean, yeah, it's be been, uh, it'll, it'll definitely be fun, especially with free agency right around the corner. We'll, we'll we'll keep your plate full. Don't worry. We'll try our best and try to get out some some good content for you. I know when it's going to be playoff hockey, playoff basketball, and the Red Sox starting. But you can get your football stitch from us for a good hour. We'll, we'll fill you in. And exactly. We'll, we'll keep we'll we'll keep doing it, Pat. We'll keep doing exactly. It. Yep. Yep. So actually, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tweet out a uh, when the show gets released tomorrow. I will tweet out a uh, a poll, and we'll see. You know what what people think. You know who who the Patriots are most likely to draft. And we'll put our four guys on there and we'll see who, uh, who people think is the most likely to be drafted by the Patriots. Um, in the next few weeks, we're going to have some really interesting things coming up. We've got a few different kind of drafts going on, which we'll explain to you as they come. Uh, should be a lot of fun. So again, we're going to be doing some different things. We ranked the Super Bowls this year, uh, this week, and 
you know, uh, we're going to be doing some some interesting things coming up. So maybe a little bit off the beaten path of what we normally do, but it should be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to a good off season. Absolutely, Pat. Let's keep it going. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Bye.